<laughs> the people in darkness have seen a great light. That's uh, amen. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Well, thank you, Brent. I need to uh, trim my sermon down to five minutes now because uh, he, uh, he just, he can't help it, man. He just gets in the spirit and he goes, it's good. It's all good. And it's, uh, that's my pastor. You guys love my pastor. Um, well, good morning. Great to have you with us. My name is Joshua. If you don't know who I am, and uh, I'm the director of ministry here at Edinburgh. So good to see all the faces here with us live. And hey, just also just want to say welcome if you're tuned in online. Thank you so much for being with us today as well. Uh, let me just echo again, hey, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I know what it's like to get eye rolls, to tell bad jokes, and to use sarcasm as my primary love language. So I'm with you. I'm with you, brother. We're in this together. Happy Father's Day. Uh, but I, I do want to get like, I do want to get sappy for just one minute with you dads. Dads, don't forget to enjoy your children. I mean that. And I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little dad moment. I'm going to show you a picture, one of my favorite pictures of when my kids were little. And uh, that's actually at a baptism service when they were younger. And then here's the problem is that I blinked and this is them today. And, and, and. And they, they grow up, you guys, so fast. Kyla, Kyla just graduated high school. She's currently working up at Trout Lake Camp as a cabin leader. And Noah just finished middle school, and he's about to enter the big bad world of high school. So uh, super proud of my two kids. Sorry, just taking a little dad liberty there. But dads, do me a favor today. Bear hug your kids. Just grab them and love on them and just appreciate them today. It's, a, it's cool to be a dad. It just is. There's a, it's a blessing. So, Well, we've been in a series called The Promise, and uh, we've been learning about the Holy Spirit, who is one of the three personalities of the Trinity, right? You've got God the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And what I believe is one of the most beautiful things about the Holy Spirit 
is that he was promised to us after Jesus left the earth physically. God was not going to leave us or abandon us. I love that. And here's the good news. He never will. So he gave us a gift. He gave us a promise. We are given through the Holy Spirit the very presence of God in our lives. And this is the truth that I want to talk about today. That God, through the Holy Spirit, is always with us. Always. Now to do this, to try to explain this, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. And I want to show you how God wired us, how I believe God wired our souls to need his presence. You see, in the beginning, I'm sure you've heard this before, God created uh, the world. He, he planted a garden in the east called Eden. God made all kinds of fruit-bearing trees that were pleasing to the eye. He decorated the garden with flowers. He put fish in the streams. He put birds up in the sky. Eden was the perfect home God created for his greatest creation, man and woman. It all started with Adam and Eve. God made the whole earth so that he would have a place to what? Be with us. To be present with us. Now, and I believe this. From the moment I received Christ, I believe this. I believe that deep within the core of every person's soul is a craving to be with God. I believe it. I know because I used to be that kid that would put his head on the pillow and I would feel empty inside. And I realized that nothing else fit that hole except one thing, and that was God. And the beauty of that is that I can still experience God's presence through the Holy Spirit today. So, friends, uh, I believe that. I believe that. So, let's, sorry, back to the garden. I got a little off track. Back to the garden. One of the most intriguing phrases in the Bible is where Adam and Eve hear the sound of God as he was walking in the garden. I want to show you this verse. I love this verse. It's in Genesis 3, chapter 8. Here's what it says. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, at this point, we know that sin has entered the world, right? They were ashamed. They're naked. So what they do? They, they're hiding from God. Now, just to throw this thought out, God is spirit, which means he doesn't have a body, legs, or feet. So what does it sound like when God goes for a walk? You ever wonder that? Like, I hope I get to experience a little bit of that someday in heaven. What does that mean? That's not the point I'm really getting at. I just think that's fun to think about. Friends, the point of this remarkable phrase found in verse 8 is that walking is something you do with somebody you care about. A, a friend with a friend, a child with a parent, two people in love, what do they do? They go for a walk. Me and my wife try to go for walks all the time. And guess what? It's not about the walk. <laughs> It's about being together. It's about being with people that you care about. This God, okay, the God of the Bible who is spirit, he wants to be with us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to be in our presence. And I believe everybody's heart desires that presence. Friends, our souls were made to walk with him continuously. But the man and woman sinned, deliberately hiding from God among the trees of the garden. So what did God do? You know what he did? He went after them. In fact, the narrative of the entire Bible is God going after us, relentlessly pursuing us. 
Now, as Adam and Eve hid behind the trees that God created, by the way, God called out. He says, hey, where are you? Now, can I, can I just, guys, physically, he knew exactly where they were. He's God. You know, what I believe he was really asking in that moment was this. Where are you in relation to me? All God has ever wanted is a right relationship with his creation, with you and me. Now, let me, let me just fast forward. We're going to go through the whole Old Testament in like two minutes. Ready? Let me just give you a brief history of this concept, this, this idea. Okay? You've heard of maybe this biblical character named Enoch. We know hardly anything about Enoch, but we do know this. We know that we're told that he walked with God. He walked with God. He had a relationship with God. It says that Noah walked with God. It said uh, Abraham walked with God. His son Isaac walked with God. And his other son, Ishmael, God was with Jacob. Then he was with an entire tribe of people, the whole nation of Israel. He walked with Israel. God was also with Joseph. And here's where I think it gets kind of fascinating to me, and I hope you find some hope in this. Joseph ran into some really hard things in his life. And we learn that the Bible says that God was with Joseph in slavery and in prison. In other words, you know what God's showing us? Hey, I'm not just the God in the garden anymore. He shows up even in the most painful and difficult places. That's good news for anyone who's struggling or in trouble. Then it's, we keep going. God is with Moses. It says he walked with Gideon. He walked with Samuel. He walked with Ruth, David, and many others until one day God cuts a hole in time and a baby is born. And in Matthew 1.23, here's what it says. I bet you've heard this before. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Are you seeing a pattern? Are you seeing a, a cycle here? Are you seeing what God's heart is all about? And in Jesus, I love this, we get this glimpse of what being with God is like. In fact, he teaches us this really cool truth in John 15 that just, it's like an exclamation to this point. Here's what he says. Jesus is talking to his followers. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, can I paraphrase? If you remain in my presence and you allow my presence to be with you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. What's he saying? Stay in my presence. Stay connected to the vine continuously for a fruitful life. A life filled with purpose and peace. Friends, today I'm convinced that only happens with the continuous presence of his Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what it means to abide in the vine. To, to live intimately with the Spirit of God from one moment to the next. Jesus said this, I bet you've all heard John 3.16, right? He described in John 3.16, what he says is it's about eternal life, right? You've all heard that verse. And just about anyone who's ever attended church has heard John 3.16. And those of us who think about that, we usually think the phrase refers to immortality. A life that never ends. Now, technically that's true. But the way that it's used in the New Testament, it's not only about duration. It's not about quantity of years. It's about quality of life with God. 
And I think we miss that sometimes. So Jesus did something when he showed up. He started this experiment. We're going to call it his grand experiment with 12 followers. They're like his little pilot group, right? He appointed these 12 disciples that they might be with him, be in his presence. Now, Judas sadly ultimately rejected being with Jesus. The other 11 changed the world because they chose to be with God. You know what they chose to do? They chose to stay connected to the vine. And it changed the world. Then something happens. Jesus' time on earth comes to a close, and he's called home to heaven, where I believe he is seated right now, ruling. And he will no longer be with his followers physically, so what does he do? He sends the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God himself, to live within each of his followers. Why? Because from the beginning of time, what has God's desire always been? To be with you. To be with you. Look at John 14. Here's what Jesus said. He says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for, don't miss this, he lives with you and will be in you. Guys, that's an incredible promise. I've been reading through the book of Romans. I found this verse in Romans 5.5. 5. Here's another way of looking at it. For we know how dearly God loves us. This is proof that God loves you. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to what? Fill our hearts with his love. To fill you up, to be in your presence. Now, over the centuries, I think it's, it's fascinating when you read about the people that have walked with God uh, someone can articulate and demonstrate a lifestyle for truly understanding what it means to enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Now, centuries ago, there was a man named Nicholas Herman who was an uneducated household servant from a poor family. And he got converted to the Christian faith by looking at a tree. I know I kind of raised my eyebrow at that, but hey, God can do whatever he wants. See, it was winter and the tree was barren. But it occurred to Nicholas that the tree would grow leaves again in the spring. And this, for some reason, this produced in Nicholas this deep sense of God's care and power. And so you know what he did? He gave his life to Christ. And then he entered a monastic community, and he spent his life in the kitchen as a cook and dishwasher, all the while privately devoting his life to experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now today... You might know him as Brother Lawrence, if you've ever heard that name. Now, when Brother Lawrence died, his friends gathered some of his letters together, and they turned him into a book. And that book is called The Practice of the Presence of God. It was written in the 17th century. It is now thought to be one of the most widely read books in Christianity other than the Bible. Now, friends, this came from an uneducated dishwasher. See, friends, when your soul can simply enjoy knowing you have the presence of the Spirit of God with you, it doesn't matter if you're a dishwasher or the president. Your soul thrives, guys, not on your accomplishments, but through simply being with God. And now it's our turn. Now it's our turn. How do we? 
ordinary people living in our world of technology, economic challenges, huge moral debates, rapidly changing beliefs, how do we find a spirit-filled way to live? I think that's the great question to ask. How can we discover the joy of having the presence of the Spirit with us all the time like Brother Lawrence experienced? Well, here's the bad news. I don't believe there's any magic formula. I really don't. I, I think God can choose to reveal himself and show himself and speak to you in whatever way he wants. So I don't have a magic formula. Okay? But I have been thinking a lot about this lately, and so all I can really speak on is, is where, where I just want to share kind of where I'm at, and I, I hope you'll give me that luxury. And if you've been a part of our church the last couple months, God has been doing some crazy stuff around here. And I, I'm going to call it crazy because some of it's far out, some of it's weird, some of it's like, whoa. Some of it's like, you can't make this stuff up. God's just been doing things. Now, I'm going to confess to you, I'm more the skeptical, like, mm, raise an eyebrow at things kind of guy. That's just the way I'm wired. I'm logical. But I also don't want to miss out on what the Spirit's doing. I don't. I want to be like, God, I want in on that. You know, the other day, uh, uh, last week, Pastor Brent talked about describing it like, hey, we're all, we're all at the pool. We don't want anyone sitting on the edges of the pool. We want everyone in the pool. But hey, whether you're doing cannonballs in the deep end or you're just kind of waded into the shallows, great. We don't care. We're just glad you're in the pool. And so I'm just being honest with you and say, I want, I'm in the pool, but I want to go deeper. Does that make sense? Like, I want to keep going. I, I don't want to stay complacent and comfortable. Like, okay, God, show me more. Show me more. And so I hope you won't laugh at me, but since God's been doing crazy stuff around here, I'm kind of like, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test this. I'm going I'm to put this to the test. So I find myself asking myself each day, I'm trying to challenge myself with this thought, how, how many moments of today can I fill with conscious awareness and surrender to the Holy Spirit's presence? Like, that is a great question for me to ask myself any, every morning. And then I try to imagine myself doing that. What does that look like at home, in the car, when I'm online, when I'm watching TV, when I'm with other people? Can I actually do life with the Holy Spirit all the time? Is that even possible? I think it is. I think this is a better goal to strive for as opposed to a list of things I have to get done, which I'm going to be honest, I usually default to. <laughs> I think spending time with God, well, that's all. Oh, I checked that off. Done with that. No, that's the wrong attitude. Here's, a, here's just a snapshot. <laughs> this is so embarrassing of how it went for me because it didn't go well, okay? Just two weeks ago, I had a meeting with several other staff. It lasted about an hour and a half. And when it was over, I realized I had failed for that entire hour and a half at this test of mine. I had not thought about or listened for the Holy Spirit a single time in that hour and a half. And I work at a church. This is super embarrassing for me. Now, in that day, some other things came up and I had to deal with, and I started to get this like grouchy spirit because I felt like I had too much to do and not enough time to get it done. Can anyone relate to that feeling? Yes. Right? You start to feel hurried. You get impatient. You get ill-tempered. And then because God knew that I was working on this message, he had something to say to me. So here's what he said to me. And yes, I wrote this down. This is the Spirit. 
I said, okay, Josh, let's look at the next two hours. You'll go through those two hours of your life with me or without me. You can continue doing life without me and feel stressed, pressured, angry, sorry for yourself, impatient, and be a pain in the, you know what, to the people around you. I kept it PG there, so. You are free to do that if you like. Or you can do those two hours with me. You can be glad you're alive. You can be grateful you were given a life at all. You can be joyful you actually have work to do. Now, at this point of hearing this, I was pretty humbled. And I was like, you know, I had my tail between my legs. But guess what? He wasn't done yet. <clears throat> He had more to say to me. So he said, I just want you to recognize, Josh, that I, not you, are running the universe. In fact, I was doing pretty well with it before you were ever born, and I'll probably be able to manage whether or not you get your list of things to do in the next two hours or not. So what's it going to be, Josh? The next two hours with me or without me? Ouch. You see, when, when we look at life that way, doesn't it make sense to say, yep, <laughs> Holy Spirit, I want to do life with you. My soul needs you more than it needs my frustration and impatience. Friends, having the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's not a life of more religious activities. If that's what you think it is, you've missed it. It's not about doing more devotions or trying to be good. It's a life of inner peace and contentment for your soul with the maker and manager of the universe. Friends, life without the Spirit, I'm just telling you, it's, it's the opposite. There's no hope. It's death. It will kill your soul. So let me, with the time I have left, try to convince you as to why you should want to live every moment of every day with the Spirit. First point is this, and one author put it this way, and I liked it so much, I'm like, I, I got it, that's so good. He said this, he said, the Holy Spirit wants to make every moment of your life glorious with his presence. Now, when I read that, I thought, that's a little dramatic, isn't it? I mean, come on, right, really? But this is the core of life with the Spirit. It's, it's not just that he wants to be with us, he actually desires to make your life more glorious, now, let's be honest, that's not a word that we often use, is it? But I think it's the right word when we think of the effects of having the presence of the Spirit in our lives. It means basically that he wants to fill your soul with beauty, with splendor, with wonder, and magnificence. It's what makes people say when they've been with you, man, there's something different about her. She just seems to shine no matter what. This is not something, listen to me, this is not something reserved only for the saints of the church or super spiritual people. The Spirit desires this for all of us. That's the whole point of inviting the Spirit in to fill us completely with his presence that the brilliance of who he is shines through us. Are you hearing me? But here's what I think we do, and I'm, I do this. I have full confession. I think a lot of Christians, we spend so much energy worrying about trying not to sin. And in all our efforts to keep from sinning, what are we focusing on? 
Sin. We're focusing on sin. We've got the wrong focus. Listen to what Romans 8 says. Listen. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. It's spiritual death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to what? Life and peace. I don't know about you, but I would love more life and peace in my life. Friends, the Spirit wants you to focus on Him. To be with Him. What did we talk about? Abide in Him. Can I just... This might be the best advice I can give you today. Just relax. (laughs) Seriously. Just relax. And learn to enjoy his presence. Every day is a collection of 86,400 seconds. How many of them can you live with the Spirit today? That's a great question. Friends, start where you are and grow from there. The Holy Spirit wants to be with you every one of those moments. Now, I'm just going to confess this. I struggle with allowing the Spirit to control my mind every time after I hear Brent and Tyler preach. Because I sit here and I go, oh my gosh, that was like such a good message. They are way better speakers than I am. That's where my brain goes. They're so good. I feel like a peon. And this is how quickly that we can set our thoughts back on ourselves. But here's how this experiment needs to work, inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit into my mind. As soon as I'm aware of a thought like that, and let's just be honest, my self-centeredness, just being honest, you know what I got to do? I got to capture that thought, and I got to surrender it back to the Spirit. I say, nope, and then I invite the Spirit back in. That's how it works. Listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 10. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You could even interchange. Take every thought to make it captive to the Holy Spirit because they're one and the same. That's how the Spirit works with us. He relentlessly pursues us because he, all he's ever wanted is to be with us. He reaches out to self-centered people to sad people, to depressed people, angry people, rushed people, people that think silly, stupid things. And then he has our attention. He says, nope, nope, give me that thought. Let it go. And welcome back. That's what he says. Friends, that's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. Having a mind and soul that's filled with life and peace. Friends, I'm telling you, that's a glorious life. Second reason, you guys, let me just challenge you with this. The best place to start doing life with the Holy Spirit is in the small moments, not the big moments. When I stand on the shore of Lake Superior, because I love going up to the North Shore, and I can stand there with, on the rocks, and I can hear the waves lapping against, and the sound, and the creation, the beauty, it's so, I love it. It's super easy for me to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit, because my mind just goes there. It's peaceful. I connect with God through creation. That's just how I'm wired. I see God there. But unfortunately, these moments are few and far between. I can't go up there every day. 
Which is why we need to deliberately invite and look for the Holy Spirit in the ordinary moments of everyday life. It's intentionally saying, and I'm working on this, I got to wake up and I have to intentionally cite Spirit, I want you to be with me this day. Every moment. Then I try to consciously experience him walking next to me or right beside me throughout my day. I love this verse. This is, this is from a guy named Isaiah. And Isaiah was talking to his people, his, his brothers and sisters who had walked away from God. They were stiff-arming God. They were saying, God, we don't want anything to do with you. And he's saying, listen to me. This is what God says to you. You need to come back. Come back. Invite God back into your lives, into your communities. And this is what he said in Isaiah 30, 21. He says, listen, if you'll do that, If you'll say, invite God back, here's what he says. Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. He's saying the Spirit of God is going to be there if you're willing to invite him in, and he's going to nudge you, he's going to prompt you, and he's going to try to lead you to have a more glorious day. That's what he's saying. So let me challenge you. Your commute to work, it can be a stressful ordeal of traffic and delays, or it can be a time to reflect on God. Your to-do list for the day can seem overwhelming and stressful, or it can remind you that God will be with you in every meeting, every phone call, every deadline. (laughs) I wish I could say to you that I do this consistently well, but the truth is I don't. I so often get in such a rush that I miss noticing and enjoying the presence of the Spirit in those little moments. I miss it. And I'm so encouraged. And Pastor Tyler gave me permission to share this. I'm like, this is so cool, you guys. You have to hear this because this is an example of someone listening in a small moment. Just last Sunday, we had a gal come in to our, our, uh, I think she was a part of worship. And if you're here today, I hope it's okay I'm using your story. We don't know who you were, but God bless you. We had a gal come in, and Pastor Tyler just happened to be in the lobby, bouncing around, because he's the youth pastor, that's what he does. Tyler knows everybody. And she came up to Tyler, and she handed him a wad of cash. And she said, said, "I, I don't normally do this, but I just sensed today that God wanted me to give you this money, because I just get this feeling someone this week is going to need it. The next day, Monday, Monday morning, VBS, our lobby is packed. There's kids everywhere. A guy comes in through our doors. Guess who happens to be in the lobby? Pastor Tyler. Says, I I really could uh, use a pastor to to talk to you. Tyler's like, I'd be happy to chat with you. The guy shares his story. Says, it's been a rough patch. You know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I love the Lord. And it's just been really difficult lately. And for some reason, he said this. For some reason, God just said, go to that church. And (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Now, Tyler, at this point, his mouth is hanging open like, are you kidding me? Tyler tells this guy this story, and the guy just, and Tyler says, I don't know who the woman was, but she listened to the Holy Spirit, and here you go. And we were able to bless this guy, because that woman, whoever she was, maybe she's even here today, she listened to the Spirit in the small moment. 
That's what it means to listen to that still small voice of the Spirit each moment when he says, this is the way you should go. And then you do it. Friends, this wonderful gal, she felt that nudge. And guess what? She could have pushed it away. She could have shut it off. She said, no, I'm not going to do that. I want to go out to lunch. You know, she could have done that, but she didn't. And someone was blessed who was in need because of her act of listening to the Spirit. The best place to start doing life with the Holy Spirit is in those small moments. My final point, you guys, is this. You will see people differently when you see them with the Holy Spirit. People are a huge part of life with the Spirit because we have to live with people. We have to interact with them. And how we get along with people, it says a lot about how we have allowed the Spirit into our lives. When we're living with the Spirit, we will see people as God wants to see them. Now, here's the crazy thing. If I'm aware that the Spirit is here with me and the Spirit is looking at you at the same moment that I'm looking at you, it will hopefully change how I respond to you. So instead of seeing the annoying server at Taco Bell, who messed up my order, who eats at Taco Bell, really? The annoy, right, who messed up my, you know what I'm going to see? I'm going to see someone that God loves and cares about. I'm going to see a real person who got up dreading going to work, dealing with impatient customers and being on her feet all day. In other words, I'm no longer going to see you as everyone else sees you. This is exactly what Paul is getting at when he says this in 2 Corinthians 5. Do you know what he says? He says, from now on, we regard no one from a what? Worldly point of view. I said, no, uh-uh. we're going to see everyone as the Holy Spirit sees them. That's what he's saying. From now on, when I invite the Spirit to do life with me, I'm not going to look at people the same way. Now, is this a challenge for me? Of course it is, because I'm human. But this is the invite. This is what I want from God. This is what I want from the Spirit. And I'm telling you, this is only possible with the presence of the Spirit in each moment of my day. It can only be done then. Too often, those of us in the Christian community, we see people the way the rest of the world sees them. I think this is why we feel it necessary to wear masks in church. And I'm not talking about COVID masks. You know what I'm talking about. We present an image that will make them see us the way we want them to see us. And one of the most common exchanges, right? I hear this in the lobby and in the halls every Sunday. How's it go? You, you, you come across them and say, how are you doing? And what's the practice response? I'm good. How are you? Right? In reality, most of the time, I've been around this rodeo long enough to know things usually are not fine. But we would never let anyone know this because we're worried about what they'll think of us. Friends, this is a tragic, especially in the church. I mean, when you think about it, isn't there a better place to feel free to be who we are than in the church with other Christians? But if I knew that you would see me the way God sees me, I might feel more free to admit I'm struggling. I'm struggling with my kids. I'm struggling with my spouse. I'm struggling with myself. I'm struggling with greed. I'm struggling with money. I'm struggling with sexual sins. I'm struggling with anger. I'm struggling with impatience. Imagine how our church would grow stronger 
if we saw each other through the Spirit's eyes. It's like we've got to put on the Holy Spirit goggles. <laughs> Imagine how the world would change if Christians everywhere saw people the way the Holy Spirit sees them. That's what it's about. I'm going to invite the, the worship team uh, back out. And I just want to close. I just want to wrap this up. Friends, listen to me. In the beginning, right? All the way at the beginning, God created the perfect home for our souls. The perfect place. A garden of perfection where what? He could walk with us and be with us all the time. Continuous presence. It was beautiful. That's all God has ever wanted from you. And, and because of our choices, right? We separate ourselves from God, but he relentlessly pursues us, offering us a way to return to him and be with him. And we don't live in that perfect garden anymore. And we sometimes forget that he is here through the Holy Spirit. Yet we continue to willingly choose to push him away, to stiff arm him and say, no, I got this, God. I'm going to do this part without you. And I think that's a mistake. Why? Because I believe this. I don't believe your soul will ever find rest or peace unless it finds its home dwelling with the Holy Spirit. I just believe that, you guys. I'm convinced that we will find rest and peace and even a glorious life in the simple daily discipline of asking the Spirit to be with us every moment of every day. Guys, that's, that's what I want for you. That's what our church wants for you. That's what I want for me. I'm just going to be honest. I'm selfish like that. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for our church. To be a people that are like, man, the Spirit's here. Every moment, every day, I'm going to strive to walk with Him. Let me pray. Lord God, I'm going to say a very simple prayer. We love you. We are so grateful for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We are sorry when we stiff arm him, when we push him away, because we're only hurting ourselves. So God, we repent of that and we say, come back. Welcome back, Spirit. Come in, fill us up. I don't want to live a life full of impatience, frustrations. I want a life filled with peace and life. And dare I say, I have want to live a glorious life. And I know that's only possible when we invite the Holy Spirit in. So God, be here, fill us be a part of our worship, and be a part of our week. We pray in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said...